Welcome back to A Rugby Conversation. My name's Hans Pearson. This is a podcast about grassroots rugby, by the fans, about the fans and for the fans. We're telling the stories that aren't being told, your grassroots stories. Stories from the coalface, away from the spotlight, for this is the tribal heartbeat of our game. It's the light on the hill, and right now, it's the way out for Australian rugby. Don't forget you can follow A Rugby Conversation on social media or check out our website at rugbyconversation.com. My guest today is Sam Ward. Sam's story is an emotional one, a tale of the power of rugby clubs and their communities. Hailing from Sydney's northern beaches, Sam's a strong young leader on and off the field. Listen for the backstory to Sam's journey as captain of the Warringah Rats Shoot Shield Premiership in 2017 their first in a generation. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sam Ward. Well, today uh, we are coming to you from the headquarters of Rugby Australia here at Moore Park in Sydney. Uh, fantastic venue and a big thanks to the RA team uh, for, uh, for hosting us. Uh, we've been here all day shooting a documentary for one of the clubs uh, and also doing a few podcasts with some of our special guests. Uh, and there's a bit of background noise here, but um, apologies, that's a Sydney Junior Rugby Union annual general meeting downstairs. A bit of wine going on, and uh, I think they might get louder as the night goes on, but, but we'll battle on. So I'm joined today by Sam Ward. Sam Ward uh, is quite an identity in the Sydney Shoot Shield scene after establishing a leading role in the resurgence of the mighty Warringah Rats in recent years culminating, of course, in that epic grand final premiership victory in 2017, in which I'm sure Sam will want me to remind you he scored a try, uh, in a grassroots rugby scene for the ages. Sam has a lengthy background in the game, coming from Barker College first 15 as a damaging loose forward, into Gordon, uh, and then onto the Rats in 2011. Uh, I'll let Sam tell you his story, but from my research, leadership, um, a captaincy across multiple clubs here and overseas, as well as a curious number of hat tricks of tries by a loose forward, uh, really seem to dominate uh, his CV. And of course, there's a strong personal and family element to Sam's story with the tragic loss of his beloved brother Lachlan in June 2017 on the rugby field at the age of just 24, uh, and the immediate and enduring embrace of the Ward family by the Rats the local Warringah community and the entire Australian rugby community, which culminated in that 2017 Premiership win. The Sydney Morning Herald described the win that day as follows. Images of Sam Ward being swamped by players and fans and the wider club family will remain for years to come as one of the most powerful expressions of the grassroots game at its best. So, without further ado, it's a big rugby conversation welcome to Sam Ward. How are you, Sam? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Mate, our absolute pleasure. So, Sam, welcome. And, and starting from that remarkable day, um, let's, just, let's just stay on that and, and talk us through, if you can, uh, the 2017 Grand Final, um, you know, what it meant to you personally, uh, to your family and, and to your, your very strong local club community up, up there in the Northern Beaches. Yeah, that was um, that was an incredibly um, yeah incredibly tough year. But that that day will is like forever etched in my memory. I remember 
the nerves of the team of us warming up and the weight of the occasion that I, I know everyone around was feeling, but it was quite strange feeling for me because I didn't actually feel any pressure whatsoever. I um, running out there, looking around. I remember DC, our coach, telling me to or telling the team to look around and smell the roses. I remember running out and just looking around and just hearing like a roaring, like just incredibly passionate crowd. And the whole game is actually just a blur. The, my most vivid memory of the game is the final scrum and I'd unfortunately been pushed up into the second row and I had to pack, pack this scrum and I just remember hearing a roar of the crowd and the whistle being blown and then I just stood up and I was just like, what's just happened? And yeah, oh, incredibly special. I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> Fantastic. So it's North Sydney Oval, am I right? And yeah. a beautiful Sydney day and a crowd of, depending on the report, somewhere between ten and 500,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a picturesque day. You couldn't have asked for a better setting. Uh, I think they closed, they actually had to lock North Sydney Oval. They couldn't let any more people out. So then I think at one stage I heard stories of then that happening and then people having to sprint across to the local bars to try and get a screen for it. It was really, um, yeah, it was really quite a special day. And just to talk about that, it seems to have been such a resurgence of of that grand final event and, and the Sydney Shoot Shield over the last few years. Um, it's been strong for, you know, for decades, no, no question, but both in the Brisbane Premiership grand final as an occasion and the Sydney Shoot Shield Grand Final as an occasion both really captured the, the imagination of rug, rugby followers across the country. Got any observations as to the the evolution of Shoot Shield over the last few years? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one because I remember when I first started at the Shoot Shield going down to uh, a Ringa game, you know, there was a patchy hill and you know there was you know there was still that community feel, but it what it definitely didn't have the the punch or the I know the feel that it does have at the moment. I know, sp- uh, particularly speaking for a Ringa perspective, like you go down to a Ringa game now and it's a it's an actual like day out for for families like it's an it's a rugby experience you walk in the gates there's stalls going on and um it's and then you for a player you run out there's a there's a hill which is more than often absolutely full of people and I I don't know why that has actually happened I I just certainly know that yeah like I think I think clubs are making it more more, putting more effort into it in, in trying to engage local teams. I know that Luke uh, Holmes, our, our GM or, or previous GM, and the, the club put a big focus on you know going out and trying to. Well, now I'm kind of losing my point a bit. Maybe we'll no, no, do no, that. No, that's good. Yeah. No, that's good. The, Keep but going. yeah, trying to you know draw on that thing and make it make it something that where you actually want to go and be proud of like I think no matter you obviously winning helps like having a successful team helps helps to drive that but the um I think the ultimate success of it is that you know there's there's that experience and there's that that alter yeah I don't know how I'm trying to say but there's there's a reason to want to go there not just for the rugby but it's actually a a fun, inviting day for people to have to to come along to. 
It's interesting. We, we've had John Eels on the podcast, and and he said a rugby club is a, is a community of people with a common purpose and a place to belong. And it sounds like certainly, um, and we've heard, you know, up the, the Bush Telegraph to Brisbane that those Warringah Manly days is certainly, you know, something to to remember year in year out. Yeah, yeah, no, those are those are those are fantastic days to be involved in. I think it's that, yeah, that that tribalism and just like no matter actually what happens, you just have utter faith in your team and uh, you actually really just feel passionate for them and you you want them to do well. And I think that then drives this that sort of movement to to now those Ring and Manly games. Like they've always been bu- busy and but over the over the now nine seasons I've been there, you've definitely seen it go from you know a few thousand to then you know around that ten thousand which is huge for a club game absolutely uh, and yeah and credit to you know city rugby union and manly and warringah for both both getting yeah. that, that that to where it belongs uh, then uh, so 2017 a, a, an incredibly memorable occasion we'll come back to that later in our chat but um, you then went on that year uh, to from what I understand, is, is the highest honour so far for you, which is pretty exciting. That's the play for the Barbarians against the Wallabies in October of 2017. Yeah, uh, yeah that was... Well, yeah, no, it was honestly like uh, just to be voted... Uh, I'm not sure if... No, but I got voted into that team by by the rugby community. I know there was a big thing around Moringa that then, yeah... Um, to get me involved in that anyway, to be voted in and like, you know, people just wanting to get around me and support me and my family. I guess I know it was me and they're not saying my dad playing, but you know, it was just another thing that just, I know that just the rugby community did for me and my family. Um, unfortunately, I actually didn't play in that Wallabies game, but I did get to get to wear the Barbarians jersey with it. Actually, it turns out a bunch of my mates up in, um, in Lismore, so that was actually a really good, fun experience. But um, yeah, no, I, for me it was actually a blur when I found out that I was in, in in there. I was sort of coming off the back of my grand final. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was going to go play for the Eagles in the NRC, and then getting told I was going to be coached by Alan Jones and play for the Barbarians team. I was sort of like, wait, what? Like I'm just I'm just sandboard from Ringa, you know what I mean? Like I. Never really ever thought that I would ever wear that jersey. That's for sure. I like. What a fantastic, mm. what a fantastic memory to have. Yeah. So Sam, let's go back to the beginning and uh, go through your your rugby journey. Uh, we're all about sharing the journeys uh, that people have enjoyed, and uh, so uh, I know that you, you you finish at the first at Barker College, you know, a, a strong rugby school here in Sydney. But you know, go back earlier than that. Where, where did you grow up and how did you come to be a, a rugby player? Yeah, well, the specific moment that I became a rugby player, I'm not actually sure. I was pretty young. I was, I remember my first year was, uh, I was eight years old and I played the Runga Tigers. That's where me and Locke played. And I played all the way there till I was about 14 years old. And that sort of coincided with the time when I, well, I was playing club rugby through that time as well as going to, I went to Barker and uh, lucky enough to go there and played rugby. So I did the club and the Barker thing, but then I got to about year, well, I suppose that's year eight, year eight, I stopped playing club football. And that's actually something I always do think about. I always think, I wonder where or what my rugby development would have been if it would have been any different if I'd actually continued to play 
club rugby through to year 12 and see where I would have been then at year 12 because I was in and out of the first set school but then I think if I had potentially played that time so that would have been equivalent of double the amount of games so I would assume that I would have developed earlier and developed more skills more time playing rugby so I always wonder if if I'd continue my club rugby through that time would I be in a different position but then it, it's interesting isn't it so mm. how, how many games a season do you play in in that comp well that's in terms of at school yeah well it's at school I can't remember it but like well there's five or six teams in the CAS so you play each of them once and then you played all the GPS teams once so maybe just over like 10 to 12 games potentially mm. you play more than that in a club season and then so then that's I'd, I would have played more than double the amount of games through what I would consider like some of my key development years of rugby so I always wondered. Yes, I obviously had a different hobby at that point in time, which was downhill mountain biking. Uh, so that took a lot of my time. But I always wonder if 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 I continue, would I would I have been a Super Rugby player? I don't I, I don't know. But it's always couldn't have hurt. Nah, it, it's interesting. The New Zealand uh, clubs uh, and and the New Zealand schools play a full two rounds so they play 16 to 18 okay. games yeah right and it's always struck me that certainly in Brisbane uh, they play seven eight games and if you're not playing club or even half season club let's mm-hmm. say uh, to complement school and I, I think in grade 11 12 the final years if you're if you're a first player or a first fringe player yeah you're going to play and maximize that opportunity at school no dramas yep. you can understand that but but if you're finishing in year eight at club and you're only getting 10 games a year, you know, that, that's, that's not much rugby really. That's, you know, 30 games in three years. Uh, so yeah, it's a fair observation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so then I moved uh, from that, obviously, yeah, went into the school system, played through, played my school. Um, and then once I then left school, I did my uh, Colts at Gordon. I was obviously a yeah. Gordon junior. I played. I think I played one year of reps when the under 11s, I made the <laughs> under 11 Gordon rep team. Fantastic. And then, um, yeah, so I went into Colts and those two Colts years were some of the great, you know, greatest rugby experiences. You know, I was fresh out of school wanting to prove a point and, um, you know, trying to, trying to figure out life, just, you know, managing university with working with them playing footy. And I think that's where I really sort of, I think that actually did set me up to be the club player that I am because I think when you go you transition from school into the club it's hard like all the onus all of a sudden comes on you and it's you got to be self-motivated and do a lot of that stuff so I feel like I'm a very self-motivated person but yeah there so I played my two years at Gordon um, still speak to a lot of the boys they still play at Gordon now so uh, there's still constant running jokes 10 years down the track and um yeah, had an opportunity to go to Ringer in uh, 2011. I didn't go down there thinking that I was going to do anything special at the club. And a few games in, then I played my first first grade game, and I have played there ever since. And I, I, I love that club more than anything in the in the world. It's uh, yeah. Off the back of that, I've obviously had the opportunity to play. Um, NRC with both the North Harbour Rays for the first two years and then uh, now for the last three years being with New South Wales Country, both both rugby experiences I've enjoyed and uh, yeah, it's been cool, yeah, the Barbars thing, I've got to have a run around with the Rebels 
uh, tens, uh, tens team this year up at Suncorp of Brisbane. So um, that was pretty cool to play at that oval. That was uh, pretty hot. I would have yeah, it was hot, and I had to play <laughs> prop, and I haven't played prop since <laughs> under nine. So uh, I think it went okay. Uh, so you just skipped over a couple of details that I'd like to share with um, with our listeners, and uh, so let's let's just look at the NRC North Harbour Rays 2014 scored a hat trick of tries on one day there, mate. <laughs> what, what's you're obviously seagulling significantly here in your, throughout your career, from what I can see. Minor premiership with the New South Wales Country Eagles. Then uh, interesting little stint here in Italy with uh, have I got it right Piacenza Lions? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I, and a hat trick there as well. Yes, I, I had a, I had a um, that, yeah, that was quite an important game. That that one uh, we were like on the brink of, of relegation, and I'd sort of come back from injury, and it was the team that potentially we were going to get relegated against. So I yeah, jagged a couple of tries in that game, so that would. Uh, prove my worth to the team <laughs> well done uh, and at the Rats your beloved Rats um, uh, Benny McCormack who was the assistant coach there this year and has been a guest on our podcast series uh, tells me you might have cracked the 100 games this year is that yes, right yes I did uh, officially I find, yeah. a centurion yeah finally finally got my 100 first grade games oh, there well was uh, been a few half seasons of injuries and, and uh, yeah, obviously the time away travelling so no I was, I was very happy to finally get there so excellent well done and uh, congratulations on thank that thank you um, and I just yeah let, let's just sort of go back then and uh, and if it's okay with you just talk through 2017 you know really difficult and formative time for you and uh, and uh, and your brother Lachlan and um uh, I guess if, if you're comfortable just to sort of share um, share the, the experience of, of that and, uh, and and really sort of what went on because a lot of listeners uh, outside of the Sydney scene and and again just a bit of a quote that I picked up on my research from yourself that you know our, our club is very special you said talking about the rats uh, but I'm sure any club would have done the same for a family going through what we're going through so a really tough time for you and your family. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Still, I still get upset talking about it, but I do like to talk about it. The um, how how I got Lachlan to come and play at rugby was by telling him like, and he could see, and my family would tell him like how good the culture was there, and such great things that um, the rugby had done for me, and um, you know, I got all my jobs out of it, like all my best friends play there, and it was that sort of sell to him that I, I really wanted him to come down and play and so um, I've never seen I've never seen my brother as happy as he was when he came down and he started that like he he hadn't played much rugby since he left school and you know he's running around there with the boys like he he really uh, bonded quite well with a lot of the Polynesian boys so they called him uh, he was called white chocolate to them <laughs> and um, Oh man, that was yeah, that was some of the happiest times, and I actually really enjoyed that time as well because like you know we we drive to training together, you know we just talk about all sort of things. He would start his own carpentry business and and all that sort of stuff. So then um, yeah, it was just it was just like a it was actually just like a really good time in our lives. He was settled, my family was happy. We were all like together. We'd go to the rugby together. They'd watch Locke play, and then they'd hang around and watch me play, and then. Uh, yeah, that um, that day it was actually like uh, there's so many things about that day that just I constantly think about all the time. There's uh, 
like I, I would always go to his game and then that day I just happened to be sick with the flu and we were playing later in the day so I was like really sick in the <laughs> at home I was like look I can't I can't be at your game today um, I'll see you afterwards anyway he, he responded with a smart ass sort of remark but the um, like I just feel yeah, I wasn't I wasn't meant to be there I wasn't meant to be there on that day and um, my, my sisters weren't there either and they would always normally be at the game as well mum and dad were there which I think ultimately they're, help, they're thankful that they were there and um, yeah it's, it was uh it was something I never ever imagined would ever happen to me to be honest like it's made me incredibly sensitive to other things hearing other players and and, and people going through tragedies um, and I I honestly I don't think I was as sensitive to it before whereas now I just really feel for families going through that sort of thing and um, I always think about it but um on the back of that like the response from from the Ringer, the community, like uh, every single person involved in rugby was just, there's there's no way I don't think that like we could have got through it without it. There was like, we're getting photos from the state champs that weekend of just like kid, like players just in like these big huddles, like none of them, none of them knew my brother, but they were still doing such like amazing things. Like it was just that rugby, that rugby community was just there and like as my dad said so many times we just felt like big arms just hugging hugging us and like and supporting there holding us up stop us from falling over um and yeah the response was amazing like the ARU helped out a ton and just on the back of that it was just like there was just yeah it was hard it was hard like I obviously had to stop playing I had to go through a numerous tests on to check if I was okay and um, they obviously found nothing wrong with me and they've also found that there was nothing untoward about Locke and his health either so it's sort of still all a bit little bit of a mystery but um, in that sense this I suppose, I don't want to say selfish because it's not selfish but I was able to continue playing because I knew I felt like it wasn't as a result of something malicious or something um, like that. So I obviously had some time off and then went back to playing and going back to playing was actually really, really confronting. And I always thought as our family and my family always felt that, but like we went down to Rat Park like two days after it happened. And we were looking back on that after the season had finished going like, how did we do that? Like that was, that was crazy. So. I think that was the club that helped us there because there was just like so many people from the club and I was just, there was just such an amazing response. But heading then back into the rugby side of things and, and, and heading towards that grand final win, it was just like this, we're, we were going pretty clunky that year, I think, like in terms of a team, like we weren't gelling like, or hitting our potential, I don't think, as a team, like we had some amazing players in our team and I think that really brought us together as a team and and through that we built like such momentum and it's been said a hundred times but there was like every player in that team every time we'd meet up again there was there was no there was no reason or no thought that we were never going to be there the next week and then the same thing happened on the on the on the game day like it was just like it wasn't we weren't going to lose
because you'd been to the semis the two previous years, so you were you were on the rise. Yeah. And and it, and how long had it been since the Rats had last won a premiership? Yeah, well, it'd been a while, and I think if I think we've we'd, we'd been used to losing in the semis a couple of years before that, but. We'd never won the Shoot Shield when it was the major competition. So when it was the sole one, we did win it in 2005 when there was the comp was split into two things. So there, I think it was the, it was either the Tui's New Cup or the Jim Beam Cup or something like that. They had that, and then they also had like the preseason, uh, the preseason um, comp, which was more the Shoot Shield. So yeah, we won that in 2005. So yeah, it'd been well, obviously like yeah, it'd been 53 years since we had ever won it, or we hadn't won it. But if you if you look at that, then we've also won or been victorious in 2005. Hmm. So uh, that's an incredible experience for you to go through, mate. And thanks so much for sharing that. Um, I okay. really mean that. Uh, and um, and obviously the community, rugby community, and your local community, and your club, and your teammates are gathered around you and your family and. Um, I suppose, uh, I guess those things change us. That, that experience right through, not just locks passing, but the, the rest of that year, how has that influenced you as a person and uh, uh, as, as a young man going through some pretty challenging times? Yeah, like um, anything, anyone that knows me, I was quite risk adverse. Like I, I'm very measured in how I go about things. I would, uh, how I would go about my rugby, my preparation, um, things like that. Well, not so much cleaning my room or anything like that. I'm not a tidy person, but uh, the um, things like that, things that matter to me, I'm very uh, by the book with it, I would say. And um, my brother was the opposite. He would, uh, do what he felt. He would just, you know, he act on emotion. He would, uh, if he wanted something, he'd go get it. And um, I, since since Locke's passing, I'm definitely trying to channel the things, the good things about him, <laughs> and then park the ones that I think <laughs> needed to be worked on. But I, I'm trying my best to to do. I know any time I have a thought about something or or. or um, hesitation I've got this little voice of Locke telling me in there just to go get go get it you know what I mean so um, lots of things have happened for me in my personal life since um, since his passing I've uh, I'm a physiotherapist by trade and uh, I've always um, you know worked for someone else or anything so uh, I decided to bite the bullet and start up my own clinic so well done let's yeah. give it a plug <laughs> yeah physio ward Physi- in Narrabeen if anyone wants to come along yeah. um, that's physio ward at Narrabeen just in case you missed it <laughs> yeah so I'm um, into that so I've just set up my uh, new clinic I was in Brookvale then moved and um, now doing it a little bit further a little bit closer to home at Moringa um, and yeah, recently engaged. So yes, just... what's the other big announcement here, guys? <laughs> yeah, so um, it's all happening for me. But I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely, I, I, I know that I, I definitely wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this, and I certainly wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't have started my clinic so soon, and I wouldn't be doing anything like that if what happened wouldn't happen to me and my family. So it's a big motivator for me to succeed and make him proud. So. I'm trying to do that. And you're doing an outstanding job, mate, and, uh, and congratulations. Thank you. So just to widen the chat a little bit, um, can you talk for listeners about uh, the Sydney 
uh, club scene, if you like. It's it's a bit different to uh, to Brisbane and and WA and and Melbourne and South Australia and the other states. Everything's got its own structure. Here in Sydney, uh, Shoot Shields at the, at the pinnacle. It's it's the high profile, but then you've got a massive subbies uh, segment uh, right across Sydney, uh, juniors and and, and schools. Um, how do they interact? Because it, what's what's interesting for for us from Brisbane is we've got really large clubs with players more than two thousand players in single clubs, and so they're big big things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no model's better or worse than the other. Whereas say Warringah's got say seven teams, but draws from a local community around it, so you still got that community engagement. Um, I don't know any any sort of commentary on, on how that's working uh, and, and the level of community engagement that, that clubs like, like yours have and how they link into the juniors? Yeah, um, it's, it obviously does sound a lot more complicated here than it does up in Queensland. Um, the uh, Speaking on Ringer's behalf, like um, the, we definitely try, it's obviously hard, yeah, you've got to figure out how you get the players from there and you then get them into into club. Like it's obviously going to be easier if you they're all just at the same club. There's that natural there's that natural progression. It does seem like it's actually an easier thing now that you said that. But the um, I think my club ring does a, a really good job. Like well, you know, we now as a as a playing group, we obviously regularly go to team trainings, and um, a lot of us just organise to go to those different clubs off our own bat. Like um, you know, going down whether it's helping you know some team trainings or presenting awards, or awards nights, things like that. I think having an active presence from us as a ringer player at these other clubs um, that that's a key importance because otherwise why else would these kids want to come and then play when they just stay at their Newports or their Narrabeans or their Collaroy Cougars um, um, yeah so you obviously like you've got to be active in in your um, in your recruitment obviously or your targeting of how you want to make them and make it somewhere attractive they want to go uh, I had something else I was going to say, but it's, yeah. it's escaped me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, let's let talk about pathways. So, you know, you've got the, the different junior clubs in Sydney. Uh, the bigger clubs are, are working hard to bring bring those players through and make sure they don't get lost to rugby or presumably go to another club. But as long as they're playing rugby, I think is the main outcome. Um, then once once you're at a club. There's different pathways now for players. Yours is probably uh, a growing example of, of what, what players can find. So you've been overseas to Italy uh, and and you've come back, you've, you've done some NRC and we're seeing more and more the Australian club scene. If, if The Super Rugby is an option, but it's a pretty limited option. There's only X number of seats available each, each time around and often those seats are already full from the year before. So the exciting news is there's a there's a world out there of rugby and uh, and some really exciting opportunities. Uh, are you seeing more of that at club level and uh, and that you you've, you've been and had a taste presumably with your own business and now engage you've you, you've set your roots down here but yeah are you, are you seeing more of that happening at club level? Oh, there's definitely now at this stage where I, I think there is definitely a lot more conversations with players, with teams around the place rather than just specifically here in Australia. Because yeah, like you say, there's four teams, so there's very limited op- uh, opportunity for 
uh, players to come through and then there's also the other side of you know if, if they don't get that opportunity when they're 23 24 25 the, the, there's obviously there's that feeling of okay well I'm gonna actually have to go look somewhere else so um, that is the great thing actually about rugby is that it is a world spot you know I know players that have gone and played in places like Spain and I obviously went to Italy then you've got your France Japanese like uh, it, that is the thing you get that that global sort of feel to it and you do have the ability to travel and see other places where you wouldn't normally normally get to and you get to live there be a part of the culture that's the best thing I enjoyed about my stint in Italy was was that was being able to live there in a place I, I'm a terrible traveler but I just you know immerse myself in the culture <laughs> got to know people around the town and yeah, um, right. yeah that's that's the exciting thing about rugby so yeah, it is, it is a challenging thing with rugby because like, you obviously compare that to your rugby league and there's obviously a number of teams there that you can potentially uh, play and do. So there's, there's something there like how you really target and make, the, make it something that the kids then want to come through and, and, um, and be a part of. So, yeah, there's definitely a... It's sort of a bad pathway, really. I mean, you know, we often talk about pathways to the Wallabies. Well, you know, there's plenty of pathways and not everyone that turns up wants to be a Wallaby necessarily. Uh, so, and, and it seems like that opportunity comes or goes much earlier these days than, than it used to. It's kind of like you, you're in or you're out at a pretty young age. And mm. uh, but, but when you went to Italy, was it for a, a pro contract or were you just travelling and happened to come across a club? How, how did that come about? Yeah, so I was um, I was playing. I was originally asked to come to their team through a ma- Italian manager in the middle of my shoot sealed season, and I sort of said no. I'd come off the back of actually a pre-season down in Melbourne, and um, I was you know I was I was wanting to uh, sort of get back into that sort of system. I'd actually injured my knee. Um, at the end of end of that 2014 season, I was sort of rehabbing through, so um, things weren't going exactly how I wanted them to. So I thought, well, I've done, I've stayed here, I've played, I'd just finished, um, I'd finished my university like two years ago, and I thought, oh well, maybe this might be the perfect opportunity for me to go away, reset, experience the travel type thing that a lot of my mates and friends from school had all done, and I hadn't. Yeah, awesome. So, um, yeah, they, they asked me again. And so then I was then at that point, you know, actually, I'm going to go do this because I, for me, I, I went to a place that didn't, I didn't speak English. Oh, I know I spoke English, so I didn't speak Italian at all. And I just sort of, within two weeks, I'd thrown myself in there and I was there all of a sudden not knowing how to, um, you know, order food or anything like that. So for me, it was a challenge, but it was also a time to reset. So I actually played that season there in Italy and I came back keener than ever to, to rip in and play club footy again so it's sort of yeah it was like a reset like re- re-energised me it was good it was a good thing i definitely recommend it and will we see Sam Ward running around again next year? yeah I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be running around again yeah I think uh, I'll see how I go I, I, I love playing footy I don't really know what else I, I, I would do I'd do a bit of forward driving if I wasn't playing but uh, no I'll, def- I'll definitely be playing again um yeah, I'll keep playing probably because I can't walk. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look fit enough to go around, mate. And obviously, you know a good physio to keep you in shape. Uh, and um, NRC, uh, so you've had a couple of a few seasons at NRC. How, how, have you got any comments on on the NRC program? Has it has it been beneficial? Uh, has it sort of taken hold in your view? 
Um, yeah, I suppose I'm like an NRC veteran. I've played a few seasons of it now. Um, every season's actually been different to the next for me. So I, I've had I've had some great fun there. Like NRC has actually given me the opportunity to play against players at a at a different level. So obviously, you know going down to Canberra and you were playing like two years ago, we were playing against the entire Super Rugby contracted team with five Wallabies in it. And, uh, you know, playing for Ringo, I wouldn't get that. Maybe years ago, you would have gotten that opportunity. I remember my first few years at Ringo, I, we actually got to do that. But, you know, it was definitely a step up in the level. Um, I sort of see, I got, yeah, I got mixed opinions about I do like obviously I've enjoyed my rugby experience with it but there's also the other side of it now that for someone of uh, of my age trying to find a a benefit or a, or a reason to keep doing it is is a, is a challenging one but um it well give me an al- let me give you an alternative then uh, let's say hypothetically there was a national clubs based championship which wasn't the NRC and Warringa as a grand final winner or a finalist had an opportunity to go to another level and play in a in a series against you know the the stronger clubs from from that season in Brisbane and and rep, rep uh, clubs from WA and Melbourne and and, and elsewhere um, how do you think that would that would go at Warringah just to, for for the fans and for the players to be able to just play with you, with, with your team and, and go on. Yeah, well, because with the NRC, that's definitely been one of the most challenging things I think for the New South Wales based teams is you come off the back of a shoot your grand final and five days later you're playing with a bunch of guys who you've never played with before. Or most of them you haven't, and then you've got to try and build that bond and that and that reason and that you know that culture basically with your, the thing that you've sort of pr- proposed that you obviously wouldn't need to find a culture because you've already got the culture and you've already got your support base per se. So I think there's definitely um, there's definitely some merit in, in something like that. I'm not sure like yeah how the whole process would obviously work, but I, just a I, 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 I definitely like wearing the green and white of rats. So I think... Mm. Um, on that basis, it will obviously give you the opportunity, much like what we do with the the club, Australian Club Championship, just that one-off game. It, it's good to test yourself against the teams in the other in the other in the other states. I think it was quite, that was actually quite an enjoyable game for us at the at the start of this year. So, um, getting to test yourself against those other clubs and states. So, yeah. So you played UQ this year for the the Bernie Power Challenge Cup. Yep. Uh, and you guys hosted it. Yes. Uh, Sydney's turn to host, and yeah, so you had a win, dominant yeah. win, from what I saw on TV, and that was broadcast on Fox. So, so well done. So the uh, the the greatest team in the land. <laughs> yeah, we were calling ourselves the world champs. <laughs> Did you get a ring? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, well, uh, well, Sam, let's um, let's get through a couple of rapid fire questions uh, that I give to each of our guests. Your best on field memory. Oh geez, uh, my best on-field memory. Oh, it's um, yeah, it's 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 hard to beat standing there with twenty-three of my best mates um, 
and and singing the uh, singing singing the ringer out song. So yeah, that's a pretty iconic. I've got I just love that. Photo. There's a photo of us and we're singing after that grand final and yeah, that's definitely my best. That's the peak pinnacle for me. I'll never I I can't even imagine what I'd have to do to beat that now. So <laughs> I thought you might say that. Yeah. Who's been the biggest influence on your rugby career? Oh. Um, I haven't thought about this ever. So, I think, um, personally, my family. My family have always been. They've always been there for me, and they're they're at every single one of my games. They'll come when we were playing in the NRC games in Fiji. They would fly there to be part of the team and um, and and get involved in all that all that sort of stuff. So yeah, my my fam my family's been amazing. You're a lucky guy. Yeah, I am. What does club rugby mean to you? <clears throat> club rugby is actually what I like. I, I define myself. I know that, like, no matter what, if I was to play one game of Super Rugby, I'll always be known. I always consider myself a club rugby player, and I'm incredibly proud of that. And I'm I'm proud of it because you know I, I get to go down there to Rat Park and just and and be in my local community and have people you know, say hi, chat about rugby and I get to have those conversations every day and I know and I get to see the, the look on the kids' faces when, you know, they yeah, they, they see me play or I say hi to them and I, I, I love the responsibility of that. I yeah. I was chuffed. I, I'll tell the story because I but the um I received a photo from a um this is actually one of the one of the pretty awesome things, but I received a photo from a, a school teacher who I know, and um, they had, kids had a mufti day, and it was um, dress and come as someone who inspires you. And this kid came dressed as me with all full head tape, oh, my jersey on, with number eight, and I got the, I got the, uh, I got this text with a photo of it, and it actually gave me like tingles. So uh, that for me, that's a, that's that's club footy, and that's I oh, know that's pretty cool. I'm how pretty good stoked is that? About that. So yeah. that kid's got a hero, and he's in the local community. Yeah, how, no, how good is that? Yeah, it made yeah. me really proud. Oh, that, that, that's absolutely fantastic. What role does club rugby have in the repositioning or rebuilding of Australian rugby? I th- yeah, club rugby's got a massive role because I think at the moment with, with club rugby having such a, a big presence and everyone knew and wanting to support that, so there's all these people that are going to want their kids to come through and do that. And I think if club rugby is doing the right things and they're, help, they're promoting the game and they're doing... They're, they're the first point of call. Like your kid's not just going to skip club rugby and become a Waratah. So they've got to come through there. So I think they're, I think they're such a vital cog in in club rugby from your your under eights up to your your senior grades. Like a, a, a successful club's always going to be is is going to be <laughs> a team that or or something that um, helps to bring through those players. So that's where the kids are going to start and then hopefully leave to go to higher honours. But if you don't have a strong club environment and good people at that level, the the cookie crumbles or the house tumbles. So I think, um, yeah, that's that's my theory. And last question, mate. What's Sam Ward doing in 10 years' time? I reckon I'm going to have a hillbilly's flannel on and I'll be standing on the hill yelling out at the next... Uh, at all the other younger players, that's what I hope. Well, I've always think that maybe I might go into coaching, but I'm hoping that I've got a, a physiotherapy practice that's uh, involved at the club somehow, and 
hopefully I'll be standing on the hill enjoying myself and uh, talking about how good we were. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get better as time goes on. Yeah, good. Well, Sam, uh, you know, on, on, on behalf of the uh, yeah, rugby conversation community, thanks for giving us your time today, mate, over here at the RA uh, headquarters in Sydney. It's quite a drive from, from Northern <laughs> Beaches there. Uh, and uh, you know what? A, what an amazing story! And thanks so much for sharing it. You know, you, I, you know, in the short time uh, that, that we've been together, I can see uh, that, that you really personify club rugby, and uh, and it's small wonder that that community holds you in such high esteem and uh, created some great memories for the peninsula up there. So, uh, look, just want to say again, thank you very much, mate, for your time. All the best with the, the rugby journey. Hope to see you running around next year. Good luck with the, good luck with the physio practice. Thank you. Uh, and uh, the upcoming nuptials. And, uh, mate, yeah, keep, keep making those big decisions, mate. Transformational. Yeah, I need to slow down a bit, I think. <laughs> well done, mate, and, uh, and good luck with the journey. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this rugby conversation. I know I did. We're all about grassroots rugby here. So... If you know of a grassroots story that you think we should hear about, then DM us via social media or post your club or school videos or photos with the hashtag TellYourGrassrootsStory. We'd love you to get involved and help us promote everything that's good about Australian rugby. Stay tuned for more episodes of A Rugby Conversation. Rugby Conversation.